You're listening to PK and DK's Weekly Lab, Life and Business. Today we have three powerful and inspirational women in business that we respect and look up to. Thank you for listening. Welcome to our weekly Life and Business. Today we have a powerful all-woman panel, and uh, I do this every week with the CEO of Merch Labs, my brother Daniel Kim. What's um, going on, guys? Respect him much. Daniel, give a quick intro. Yeah, no, so um, Entrepreneur founded a, uh, a merch, merchandise company that we've, you know, uh, we provide e-commerce solutions for influencers, launched a couple different startups, uh, bootstrapped all my different projects, and helped a lot of other influencers launch their business and their careers too. So, um, you know, PK and I are old friends. We've worked together at the beginning of Merch Labs, and, um, you know, we thought it was a good idea to uh, bring on a handful of our friends that are also um, entrepreneurs and, and businessmen and businesswomen. And today uh, we have Sylvia, Gloria, and Naxi. I hope, is it Naxi? Hope I... Nancy. Yeah. Nancy. It's spelled oh, okay. in a very weird way. Well, it definitely, um, definitely catches cool. the eye. Yeah. I got to change my, I have to have like a silent letter in my name <laughs> to just differentiate. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways. Sexy. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. PK and I go way back and, you know, we're just excited to kind of create some good content here on Clubhouse and, you know, um, excited to kind of get into this. Yeah. I'm going to first of all, just do a quick intro of all three speakers and then we'll I'll go uh, in order and ask them for a one life tip, one business tip, and then open up for Q&A. Uh, first of all, she organized today. So thank you to her. I met her in Toronto. I uh, also know her cousin um, and uh, we met uh, through collaboration. She's the CIO of Asian Pacific Community Fund. Sorry, She's sorry, also PK, award. That's my old bio, but I can give you my new title afterwards. It's I apo- yeah, that's okay. I apologize. She's also an award-winning human human rights lawyer and a multilingual community leader. She does a lot of things basically, but I, I really respect uh, her for her character and who she is. And uh, she's definitely a true leader. And I apologize, Sylvia. I will, will um, get the more updated one. And then um, next, I met her on Clubhouse actually. And she's the CEO of Inplug, Forbes thir- Top 30 Under 30. And last but not least, we have, um, oh, her name is Nancy Liu. I don't I want to mess it up. And last but not least, we have um, partner and of Rutan and Tucker and co-founder of Quell Labs, Gloria Lee. Thank you to all our ladies here on stage. So first, we uh, will go with Sylvia. If you can just give a quick background and a life tip. Yes, thank you, PK. I should have given you my updated bio, but actually this um, panel today, I'm so thankful to have my sisters, Gloria and Nancy, join me. Um, it's because I was trying to support PK and Daniel and kept ribbing them for all the manals they were having. <laughs> um, so instead of just uh, you know interrupting the programming with my dogging on them for the manals, I decided to bring um, two extraordinary businesswomen alongside of me to speak at one of their events. Um, so thank you again, PK. The reason why he was confused with my bio is probably because I've pivoted so many times that um, it's probably hard to keep up for those of you who know me. Um, So I did have a long career in international human rights and advocacy. um, And PK and I know each other from um, having done um, North Korean advocacy work. 
PK, if you guys don't know, is one of the co-founders of Liberty in North Korea. Um, and at the time when he brought Collaboration, another organization he co-founded to Toronto, um, one of the first recipients um, of the proceeds of that event was Hun Voice, which is a Canadian uh, North Korean human rights organization. Um, but since then, I've pivoted multiple times, um, you know, came to the States because of my husband, Eugene Kim, who's always been a wonderful supporter, worked with people like Gloria Lee, who is um, the chairwoman of my advisory council at Asian Americans Advancing Justice, went on to launch um, the fir uh, country's first national Asian American Community Foundation, and uh, very recently finally decided to go into for-profit. Um, and now I'm the general partner and founding partner of an impact fund called Sarah Cap Cares, uh, which invests in early stage technology that aims to reduce disparities and unleash the power of technology for good. Um, so that's just kind of an updated bio. Um, I also look very different. I have a new haircut, new look, new job. Um, but I'll just say in terms of one life tip, um, I would say that um, there's so many tips um, that I can think of, but one um, tip that uh, I've kind of come back to through multiple pivots and just everything that I've gone through, I think moving countries, being a mom, trying to balance everything between work and life um, is really being rooted in your why. Um, and what drives you. Um, I know that for me, um, that why has often evolved. Um, so, you know, when I was younger, I really thought it was about justice. I was really rah, rah, rah. Um, but as I've kind of matured and grown professionally, I've gotten to see that um, there are different ways to make impact, especially sustainable impact. Um, and so that's the reason why I've made such crazy pivots. Um, and it, But for my why, um, there's just no explanation, I think, of, of my trajectory, both professionally and in my life. Um, so my kind of life tip would be, you know, kind of figure out what your why is, take the time um, to reflect internally and let that be the driving force in your life. Awesome. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Sylvia. Next, uh, we'll have Nancy. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, so a little bit more background on myself. So as much as I spend, I love doing Implug. I actually also spend a decent amount of my time getting involved in other companies and nonprofit organizations. Uh, so some of the ones I really have a lot of fun doing is as a partner of X Factor Ventures. We are a venture fund where it's a bunch of female founders. We all came together, pulled our money together to invest in companies with at least at least one female founder. Uh, so we invested in over 50 companies. Now every check we write is 150K. Um, and it's just like a really fun thing that I uh, feel really lucky to do on the side, in addition to my main day job, which is running Implug, which is a digital signage software company uh, based in Los Angeles. Uh, so my one life tip uh, is above everything else, one of the principles I actually hold is health first. I feel like in order for us to really be making the biggest impact uh, in our work life, in our nonprofit or volunteer work, in our family, I really think we just have to make sure we take care of our health, whether that is physical health or mental health, that we just have that as a priority. I really do that. And, you know, uh, and Gloria knows this, you know, I make sure that I spend a lot of time just enjoying life and having fun. And that part of that is making sure that I, I'm healthy, I'm eating healthy, I'm staying active. So that's, that's my one main life tip. And it's one I really live by. 
Thank That's you. That's awesome. I, I feel the same. You know, Daniel knows I, I was really unhealthy my whole life. And then when I worked with Daniel at his company, he has all these fitness influencers that are all <laughs> super yoked. Like we went to this fitness convention where I literally felt like a pinball, like bouncing off of these crazy buff <laughs> people. And I'm like, dude, I got to change something, man. And so like, I don't know, during this pandemic is probably the most like health conscious and health, like, I don't know, disciplined I've ever been so it's so important it affects your PK I mean I, I seen your post and stuff. what what day how many days are you on now no I mean so the it's when the when the shutdown happened I just started you know it's corny but like in my IG stories I'm like I'm just gonna keep track and then uh I'm at like 310 days now like so without Ooh. keeping track I would not have ever done that you know Right, right. And, uh, so it just keeps you accountable, and then other people keep you accountable. Like, they're like, are you doing it? And so it's like, it's really important to like keep track. Well, hopefully, you know, actually, I, I do want to ask the ladies later like uh, a question about that, about habits and routines. And, you know, we can get into that later. But uh, yeah, I, you know, we have Gloria also on the panel. And, you know, uh, maybe if you could kind of tell you, tell us about yourself and also one tip as well. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, PK and Daniel. I'm super excited for this panel. I do want to kind of interject and supplement what Sylvia and Nancy were saying about themselves because they are like way too humble. So Sylvia, when she says she's a human rights, you know, lawyer and uh, philanthropist, like literally she almost died on a bus fighting for Aboriginal rights in Canada. Like that's how hardcore she is. And now she's a general partner of Sarah Cat Ventures. So she's had this like amazing trajectory and um, she's doing social impact in a different way now. And then Nancy, I actually met Nancy at an award ceremony where she was getting basically like the grand prize. And so I heard her whole bio and um, I guess the 32nd version, she grew up in China with no running water, um, came to the US and went to Berkeley on scholarship and also became Miss Oakland um, to pay for college. Uh, she, in college, she started a company, a biotech company, which basically figured, they figured out a way not to have to refrigerate vaccinations. So that's pretty hardcore for a college student. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and um, I mean, I can go on and on. She's only, she just turned 30. She's on two public company boards. And um, I don't know, she's amazing. So both these ladies, Everyone in the room, we have so much to learn from them. So I'm very excited to be in their presence. Thank uh, you, Gloria. By the way, you properly introduced them. Mine was so bad. No shame ah, on me. No, no. But thank you. That was, they're, they're amazing for sure. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No, Sylvia and Nancy, get ready for me to say super embarrassing stuff about you all night long. I'm yeah. oh, no. oh, my God. Oh, no. No. The Bring the details. The, yeah. the secrets. The Gloria, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know um, so many embarrassing things about me, so I'm nervous. Oh, Sylvia. Okay, one more embarrassing thing about Sylvia. She, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. She sleeps in her pajamas, basically says, like, no more prisons or something like that. Like, that's she sleeps and thinks about social Goodness, impact. Just in case there's a fire when she runs outside, someone's going to see it. Her, exactly. Cause. Hardcore, hardcore. Respect. Okay. Yeah, is, like, is this so, true, Sylvia? Is that the actual message on the pajamas? I think it said something like no prisons, more schools, but it was like a hashtag movement. 
adopted by the California Endowment. And yes, that was the pajamas I wore when Gloria and I roomed together for multiple conferences. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, she's hardcore for sure. Yeah. Uh, but for myself, I think I offer a different perspective because I kind of was the good little Asian girl that sort of did kind of that track that all your parents wanted you to do. Um, so uh, I went, I became a lawyer. And as most lawyers at big firms are, they're not like, they're, it's, it's a really difficult life, right? So I had kids very early on in my career. And to climb that corporate ladder while raising kids very difficult. And um, so my background, I went to Stanford and Berkeley Law, but I got married before law school. And my mother-in-law basically was like, oh, you should like stop working because, you know, you should be this good like Korean wife. So that was kind of like to try to make partner while having kids and having a crazy mother-in-law, like that's really tough. But in any case, so I was a real estate uh, lawyer for about 10 years. And what I realized is that I was very passionate and pretty good at business development. So my, I basically kind of made and customized my own job title as essentially a chief business development officer for the firm. And it really allowed me to get away from the billable rate structure and allowed me more autonomy um, and control of my career as well as, you know, having the time that I wanted for the kids. Um, and then, uh, more recently, I co-founded Quell Labs, which brings uh, the best technology from Asia and specifically Korea to the U.S. that fights COVID. And we're the FDA clinical sponsor and exclusive distributor of uh, various products. So super excited about that. Um, but my life tip would be essentially to live with no regrets. And that kind of comes in two ways. So one, when there's opportunities for exciting but risky entrepreneurial ventures, for me, I always think, okay, all right, say I do Quell Labs, I'm all in, and it epically fails. You know what? I could probably get another job at a law firm. You know, I already have a book of business. I already have like pedigree and clout. Like that's something I could always go back to. But that one opportunity, you know, it's really hard to ever kind of materialize again in that special way. And then it also manifests in the um, just like raising a family. There's very, very few things I regret. But when there are moments where you miss something important for your kids or um, you basically will, you think about it all the time on your deathbed. Those are the kind of things you think about. Or for me, I remember I had kids really early in my career and I didn't have a lot of money at that time. I was like, I can't afford a nanny. And so I had to get childcare that wasn't up to my standard. And I really, that's kind of like the one regret I'm oh man, would things have been different, you know, if I spent that extra money, even though it was difficult for me at that time. So really, it's about making choices without regrets. That's Thank awesome. You, Gloria. I had no idea. So Gloria, you have kids. <laughs> I did yes, not know I this. Two, I have two, two boys. They're 13 and 11. Okay. And I'm 5'1", and they are, like, towering over me, and they weigh, like, 150 pounds and eat me out of house and home every day. I, I, the reason I say that, I feel like having kids is like having your own startup in itself. So um, that's just really interesting. I, I didn't even know. You know, obviously, we've met a handful of times, and just kind of hearing your story, it's pretty cool to hear. 
and I can imagine, I'm like, man, you had kids and went to, I mean, school and was, you know, trying to be partner. I mean, that's uh, multitasking at its finest, but, you know, that's really cool to kind of hear a little bit. And Gloria is also very um, humble, just so you know. Sorry, Gloria, I have to give it back to you. Um, Gloria was named like one of the most powerful women in California. She is on multiple nonprofit boards and having worked personally alongside of her, she is really the magic connectivity that really allows kind of amazing events to happen. I've organized my first galas alongside of Gloria. And when I knew nobody in Southern California, um, she was really the ultimate connector. And so um, she's really an incredible board member, friend, um, advisor, and um, it's been amazing also just to grief about um, the balance of, of, of raising children with a, with a professional career, but she's really amazing. And by the way, um, PK put out a story that didn't have Gloria initially, and I was like, oh my God, you have to add Gloria, because I know that she's going to be the heart and soul um, of this panel for sure. Yeah, Sylvia, Sylvia loves Punk and PK. I know, my bad. <laughs> my bad on that. Sorry. I know Daniel has some questions, but you know, in the theme of our uh, title here, how about one quick business tip from all three of you. How about Sylvia first? Um, I guess for me, in terms of business, I feel still pretty new at it. So maybe what I can share is kind of like why I left nonprofit and um, what I'm kind of learning and seeing in the business world. Um, so those of you who know me, again, you know, I've been in the nonprofit world for over 10 years um, and really thought that was kind of my life's purpose and how I was going to make impact. Um, but ultimately, I left for multiple reasons. Um, I was frustrated, I think, with the bureaucracy, the mindset of scarcity city in particular, um, kind of this endless beggar stance, a culture of mediocrity. I know that's very harsh, but um, for those of you who know me, I actually wrote a whole article when I left uh, for the Chronicle of Philanthropy, literally called Why I'm Leaving Nonprofit. Um, and then I kind of jumped into this entire world of venture capital and innovation and business. And I think one tip that I really um, kind of been realizing and embracing um, as I've kind of started on this journey, which for me is very new. So like 15 years in nonprofit, 10 plus years in nonprofit and like one year in business. Um, but one thing that I really love is having this mindset of abundance. And um, I guess for me, it was hard to sometimes practice that in the world of nonprofit where it just felt like you were always fighting for breadcrumbs, always fundraising. Um, there was almost like this reigning mindset of scarcity. Um, but I guess one mindset um, that I'm really enjoying and I guess I don't know if that's really a tip but would be just in business there is an abundance there's an overabundance actually at times an overabundance of ideas of good people of capital um, so I, I think that my mind is really being blown right now in terms of what I'm seeing um, in my work um, but uh, that's kind of just my perspective I guess not really a tip but something that um, hopefully we can all live by is having that mindset of abundance thank you Sylvia Nancy? I'm going to share a business tip uh, that Gloria just nails so well. So in, a, in addition to how talented as a business person Gloria is, she is an incredible friend and somebody who you can just always rely on for everything. So I would say one of the business tips that I have is being able to add value to folks that you do business with or conduct business with, but adding value, not just in a business sense, but in a sense when you're not just helping their professional life, but maybe also personally. So what that means is you're connecting them. You're inviting them to just fun 
events and you're just and this is why Gloria is like the ultimate business development expert because she doesn't go in and say I want to win your business today she says I am going to I just want to help you and I want to make your life more enjoyable and so she's an expert at really hosting events and getting people together so my I guess my my summary of the business tip is really to be able to just add value and connect with people outside of a business sense yeah to add on to that I mean I have nothing um to give to Gloria in terms of like financially but she's always been so like giving to me like she it was my daughter's birthday and she like gave my daughter a, a birthday gift um on uh when it was um that mama lion event so thank you Gloria just being thoughtful Gloria how about your turn yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you guys so much. I feel like I always want to be a panelist here, PK. I'm like overflowing with like, <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, so my tip is one actually that Sylvia and especially Nancy like uh, really nails as well. And that, and, and this is more in the corporate world, right? Like not necessarily entrepreneurial, but um, it's for, especially if you're a woman, the key is to understand and act like a guy. And um, what that means, I think, Nancy, intuitively, you do this. You know, you are. You, I know what you mean. I know you what know you exactly mean. exactly what I mean, right? Okay. But here, I'm actually fairly feminine and fall into a lot of the stereotypes. So here's the example. Like, you're a lawyer. You're billing a lot of hours. You're volunteering on all these committees, recruiting people, bringing in business, doing all these things, making your firm look good. What a lot of girls will do, and obviously this, these are all like generalizations, is that like, wow, I'm doing so much. My numbers speak for themselves. The, you know, the firm is clearly going to recognize me by giving me a good bonus and promoting me to partner. And they just kind of like do their thing. And that's not how it works. And so I would start hanging out with like my guy friends. And I'm just like, whoa, the way they think and the way they do things. To me, it's like appalling. I would never do it. But I realized that's actually the name of the game and the rules we're playing under. So it's like, okay, now I reset and understand the game. So I have guy friends who, instead of just wait to be recognized, they will basically tell all the partners, like, I'm the best attorney because I did X, Y, Z, promote themselves like crazy, tell them exactly what bonus amount they should be getting, and just make it so clear, like, if they don't get it, they're going to leave or, you know, whatever it is that they do. And I'm just like so shocked. And, but they always get what they want, always, because they're constantly um, reminding people of their value. And it totally works. And I think even in the business sense, I see you could be humble and understating, but like I see a lot of guy friends, they do more like they believe in themselves so big. They're like, yeah, we're going to be a billion dollar unicorn company and this is what we're doing. And, I'm like, wow, you know what? Anyone who listens to them believes them, right? So I think uh, the more I hang out with guys, the more I realize like kind of the tricks of the trade. And so that's definitely one of my business tips, especially for women. Man, you, when I heard that, I'm like, man, guys just sound like big brats. <laughs> you, know, you know, a lot of guys are full of it though, right, Gloria? <laughs> we, just, we just believe our own lives. Uh, no, but you're right. Yeah. No. The, the confidence, I know, definitely is uh, is important. Right? No, no. Yeah, if we don't believe in ourselves, no one else will, for sure. Yeah. 
No, and look, you know, I, I definitely think this is great to have a panel like this, uh, especially a, a full female panel. Uh, not a mantle, but now, you know, kind of with, with all women, thanks to Sylvia. But, you know, the, the, the great thing is last week we had all guys and um, it, there is different dynamics, you know, and I, I believe in the next generation of female entrepreneurs and just uh, change makers and just kind of hearing the way it's, it's definitely everything. A lot of things are changing right now. So um, having your perspective and your voice is really special to have on as, you know, this is great. Yeah, I mean, personally, too, you know, uh, my father passed away 10 years ago. So when I visit Korea, most of my family's in Korea. My mom, she's the queen, right? She's the matriarch. And when we gather, she's at the head of the table. We bow down to her, like literally. And she, she's like the final word in our family. And then in my wife's family, um, it's just her, her mom. And she's, she's always been the one in the lead. And she's such a great example. And she's like my second mom. And she's a, you know, she's a doctor and then she raised two lawyers. My wife's an attorney too. And I, I just have a deep respect, you know, they kick ass. And uh, I, I love that we have our panel today. So I got a couple questions. So, you know, I was going to do kind of like maybe general questions and throw them out. But like, um, you know, the interesting thing is like I'm, I'm great, good friends with or great friends with Sylvia and Eugene. They're like to me, they're like family and, you know, our kids are friends and we spend a lot of time together. So I think I could kind of, uh, I mean, I always like staying curious. So there's a lot of things about Sylvia I think I could bring up. I don't know much about Gloria and Nancy, so this is great. So I could literally just kind of go off the top and just kind of ask certain questions being curious. And um, maybe I could just kind of pop in and pop out. PK, we could have general questions. But um, I have a question specifically for Nancy. I mean... Digital signage is definitely interesting. I, I was playing around in that space years ago when um, it started happening. I remember going up to um, Ingram, oh no, not Ingram, um, Intel up in uh, Oregon. They had like this big signage uh, thing they were doing with like Ingram Micro and a bunch of other vendors. And I was like, oh man, this is interesting. Like, you know, this digital signage industry is about to go crazy. And it's just a sign of how old things are no longer in play like everything is evolving and you know uh you know you don't see diesel cars anymore everything is now uh, car everything has changed right so and on top of that with female entrepreneurs i mean it's th there's a huge movement being pushed right now and uh, you're seeing a, a lot of strong female uh leaders come out and they're doing some amazing things and uh so nancy i, I was just kind of curious for you how did you even get started so you said what a vaccination that doesn't need to be refrigerated in Berkeley. You came to America. I mean, Gloria did an amazing job kind of prefacing that, but I kind of want to dig into that. Like, what's your story? That's pretty crazy. So you, yeah, I mean, could you just tell, you know, tell us a little bit more of like how you got started and, you know, how that evolved? Yeah, happy to share. I mean, I always joke uh, when I was uh, uh, like, in the womb, I knew I wanted to do digital signage software, uh, which is a big joke because I didn't even know what digital signage <laughs> right, was right. when I started the company. In fact, for the first two years when I started the company, I was calling our company like the wrong thing because I was unfamiliar with the digital signage industry. And so I was like, oh, yeah, we do like digital billboards, which we totally don't do. That is not what we do. Uh, so I was calling it the wrong name. That's how unfamiliar I was. And so and for my biotech company, Nanley Bioscience, 
I was also completely unfamiliar with this space. So the, and I'll share how I started the companies, but I think the, the big picture of it is that at the end of the day, it was always, I met really brilliant people and we're like, these are people I want to build something with. And for me, I don't really care about what that necessarily is as long as I feel like I have good skill set for it and I'm excited about it. And so for both companies, they were actually not my idea. I met co-founders that had this idea, but they needed somebody to go and execute it and build out the company. So my senior year of college, I had already built a bunch of random different gadgets and apps when I was at UC Berkeley. I would just build things on the weekend uh, to make money on the side. And then during winter break, my senior year, I was uh, at a dive bar in Boulder, Colorado, uh, and I was just hanging out with some high school friends. Like we just had like a hacking session where we were, we were building some random app. We went to this dive bar and at the dive bar, I see this Indian guy and it's like the only Indian guy there because it's Colorado and it's not super diverse. Right, right, right. And, uh, I, and at the time I had like a thing for Indian guys. So I was like, Oh, who's that guy over there? And uh, my friends were like, oh, he's this famous biochemist. And I'm like, what? And th- he's like, oh, yeah, they're li- he's like the star PhD student. And I was like, I have to meet him. And I immediately, so I met my co-founder at this bar and I have no shame. So I was like, tell him that I want to talk to him. And so he comes over um, and I immediately I'm like, by the way, I have no interest in dating you, but I heard you're brilliant. And so I want to know why you're brilliant. And so he speaks fluent Chinese. He speaks five languages fluently. He was MIT, MD, PhD. He, as a 17-year-old, developed one of the most efficient ways to remove arsenic from water. So this wow. is midnight at a bar. And I'm like, this guy is truly brilliant. And so, brilliant so people. If, if there's guys in the, in, the, in the crowd right now, this is the resume that you need, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you need to have invented some life-saving <laughs> right. invention like when you're in high school. Exactly. Um, and so at midnight, I literally say, because a lot of people are talk and they're not about action and smart people get pitched all the time. And most people that pitch them don't follow through. Um, and what I learned is, okay, I have this person's attention. I'm literally going to schedule to meet him the next day. And so literally in 12 hours, I had him scheduled, like it was midnight. And then at 12 uh, PM the next day, I was like, we're coming, you're kind of, you're going to come over and we're going to meet and we're going to start brainstorming a business together. And immediately, like, I'm not waiting wow. like a week and let's, let's get together in a week or something. Nobody ever does that. You meet somebody at a bar, you have their attention. And if you don't immediately start working and taking action, like they're going to forget about it and you're going to forget about it. And you're going to care less and you're going to lose that excitement. So literally the very next day we got together, we started talking about all the different research that he's doing in the lab and how we can commercialize it. And that's when we realized one of the polymers he's working in the lab, we can go and take and make it a protein stabilizer, something that can uh, stabilize vaccines so that it doesn't need to be refrigerated. So that was my senior year of college. I was serving as the CEO and I was getting funding for the company. That was my job. So I was back at Berkeley. He was doing his uh, PhD MD at uh, CU Boulder and we were doing this long distance, but every single day I would check in. I would say, all right, these are the R&D milestones that we need to hit. I'll take care of all the financing. I'll get it funded. Uh, You don't need to worry about that part. Um, And so that's what I was doing my senior year and then eventually got enough funding for the company for four years. And then that was right when I was about to finish. Um, 
and, and graduate. And so, but then I got introduced to my co-founder for Implug. Um, at the time, there was still a lot of R&D required for Natalie. And so I uh, quickly realized like my skill set is not going to be useful past getting the funding. And so I handed the reins over for my co-founder to be CEO. And then for Implug, I met my co-founder at Implug also completely randomly. I got introduced to him through somebody I worked at at my internship. I had a summer internship at Goldman Sachs in investment banking. And um, I just always had people introducing me to others that are like, hey, can you help them with this or that? And so this guy was like, hey, uh, there's this guy named David. He's working on basically a smart display software company. Can you help him out on there on on this project? And so I I started just working with him. Uh, I met him for 45 minutes in my sorority. We talked for 45 minutes and he's like, hey, I would love for you to be a co-founder of this. And I was like, all right, let's. Let's do it. Um, and the story gets a little crazier because on his flight back to LA after meeting me, he sits on the plane next to this guy named Zach Spatolsky, who was a UCLA student who had built two of the top 10 most downloaded education apps. Uh, David is like, I just met my co-founder, Nancy. She's going to run the company. Um, and we're starting this company called Implug. And Zach is like, that's really cool. I've, I am a great designer. And David's like, do you want to be a co-founder and start this with us? And literally by the end of the flight, Zach is like, sure, I'll drop out of UCLA and join you guys. And that's how we got our third co-founder. Um, so that's really the, the long story. of wait, That's incredible. How, how, old were you? <laughs> how we started the company. How old were you when this was going on? Uh, 21. <laughs> Jeez. What was I doing? So eight ages. I was trying to get to K-Town clubs at that time. <laughs> So I, I was trying to get to K-Town Clubs, too. Okay, well, I, I wish I was the third founder, but I was just probably uh, not sober in another booth. So That's okay. I was applying to grants for our biotech company, like, on Friday nights while taking shots with my sorority sister. Goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Multi-talented. Multi-talented. You were that girl with the laptop in the corner that I was wondering, like, what is she doing with the laptop in the nightclub? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So... So both of your companies, that's, that's really interesting. So like you, you probably have a really good eye for talent and also eliminating, you know, I, I say the BS meter, right? Because I mean, um, the, you know, founders, I think a lot of times, you know, they're, they have these ideas and they're trying to like get it started, bootstrap and, and get it going. For your path, it seems like you were able to meet through networking or through going out and then you were able to get these conversations going, recognize that. Was it more the talent or the idea that kind of got you a little bit more interested in jumping in? And then second, like, do you do this often or is it just like this, this is the two that you decide, you know, that, you you know, the only two that you kind of worked on? I'm just kind of. That's a really good question. I would say for me, it was much more so talent and the people versus the idea, because the original idea, you're always going to really be changing and iterating. And so how fast you can iterate based on what you learn about the market and changes and in, in what you recognize in customer taste is going to be based on the talent. Can the, this team that you have and the people you work with be able to adjust fast enough to move with the market and to create a product that's going to be profitable as, as quickly as possible? So it really was the people first because the first business model for Implug is completely different than what it is today. And I credit 
attribute that to our team's ability to adjust to what we learned was a good or bad business model and whether we could make money the original way, which we could not. And so right. we, we changed to the business model we have today because of that. You know, and I, you know, I noticed with my own company and I have some of my guys in here as well, like Tommy's here, but uh, you know, there, there's a quote that I love that, that I always, that I, I say often with my own team and when I'm working on projects, cause you know, it, a lot of, a lot of businesses, ego can kill a great idea. Right. And, one of the things I always think about is, yeah, it's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go far, uh, you want to go fast, go alone. Want to go far, go with many. And, um, you know, it just shows the importance of team and being able to find talent, recognize talent, and then move quickly on an idea that's viable, but then utilizing the strengths uh, of the team. And I think your story kind of exemplifies that where, you know, if you're, if you're finding people that have the same strengths as you, it's not really going to make a good Voltron movement, you know, and, and having different uh, people that take take different uh, parts of the company and makes it work. Um, and so with, with that being said, with team, I, you know, my good friend Sylvia, uh, you know, I've worked with on a couple projects as well. Um, you know, I've, I was around during the transition from her going from nonprofit into kind of this startup entrepreneurial arena. Uh, one of the craziest things that I saw was the, when she built, uh, it was a gala that she threw and she raised like a ton of money. And I was like, how the heck did you pull this off? Um, I think, Gloria, you, you, you might have been involved too. Um, Sylvia and Gloria, I don't know if you guys can speak on that, like working with good people and team, like, you know, throwing these events and also kind of the work that you guys are doing now. You know, what's that like in... Uh, not only identifying good talent to work with, but then also kind of building the right team to, to make a successful, uh, you know, event or uh, product, service, whatever that you're working on. Yeah, I can, I can maybe start and Gloria, feel free to chime in because um, definitely actually both of my successful galas, uh, Gloria was on the, was on the gala committee. Um, I think that our first gala together was for Advancing Justice, um, which was kind of like a startup nonprofit because it's an organization that's based in LA and didn't really have roots in Orange County. Um, so when we had the gala, it was kind of the first time something like that had been done, especially at that scale for that organization. And Gloria and I like to like reflect back on the gala committee. I, I don't know if you would agree, Gloria, but that was like one of those magical committees where everyone was just in sync, everyone was on the same page. Um, and it just was so much fun. It was stressful, but also a lot of fun and everything just worked out so amazingly. Um, I think for our second gala, it was a little bit of a different committee, not, maybe not quite as magical. <laughs> um, but I would say that um, absolutely, when you work with the right team, um, whether it's volunteer or work-based, um, I think that there's definitely, um, you know, just a sense of ease that comes about. Um, I think that for myself, as I've made the transition, I'm definitely still kind of figuring out my team um, in the VC world. Um, but one of the things that I felt very strongly as I transitioned was just that, um, at least in the nonprofit, and of course, this is definitely not all nonprofits, this is just kind of my experience. Um, it was just that sometimes the culture in nonprofit um, is, is, is a little bit slower and kind of more accepting of kind of the status quo, um, not really as open to, I think, innovation or doing things differently. Um, and I just knew for myself that that was not a good fit for me and my personality. Um, right. So now that, yeah, so now that, and Daniel, I think you 
see that too in my kind of whole evolution just personally. But as I've kind of moved into VC, I'm, I'm noticing that the people that I'm meeting, uh, a lot more like-minded folks, people who are going much faster actually than I am, um, which, you know, for me was a lesson learned that, um, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of go into the different room. And actually recently I reconnected with a judge friend of mine um, who uh, was part of my advisory council and was an amazing judge, but he's actually transitioning out of his judgeship. And we were both saying that there comes a time sometimes um, and this can help you with your question, Daniel, but recognizing the right talent. There comes a time when you're in a boardroom and you become, and this is not like a cocky thing, but you just consistently become one of the most competent people in that room. Um, right, right. Instead of being instead of being frustrated with that, I think the question is maybe you're in the wrong room. Um, and so I think for me, I definitely felt that. Um, so now I definitely feel like I'm not the smartest person in the room. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm so humbled every day, learning so much um, by people who have accomplished so much. I mean, Nancy is just, you know, one example of that. Um, you know, and actually a pivotal moment for me in my journey was when I was uh, part of the Asia Society 21, which Nancy and I are in the same cohort. And it was like this humble pie moment. I remember when it was like, oh my God, like this room full of incredible entrepreneurs like Nancy who are creating things out of college, like making light out of plastic. And, you know, it just it's just a humbling moment. But I think that that's also good because that means that you're acknowledging your potential for growth, um, your ability, I think, to um, find talent or find teammates that um, match where you want to go. Um, so right. anyways, those are just some of, some of the things that I've, that I've felt, I guess, throughout this transition. That's, no, I, I've, I've watched you, Sylvia, in your journey. And, um, you know, I've seen you work with different groups of people. And you know, I think it's a, it's, it's a huge skill that, you know, that is, you have to learn in building successful products and uh, whether it's business or organizations or events. You know, you have to, to do something big. You got to work as a team. You know what I mean. And um, you know the fact that you also have your family and you have a, a loving husband that I know very well. Eugene, what's up, man? But you know, like uh, I, I, you know, I'm married with a kid. I know how hard it is to kind of balance work and life. And with that, um, I'm curious, Gloria. Like you know, you were telling me about your story. Um, you know, we were talking about teams and you know, just kind of how we got started. I'm curious with you, Glory, like, how did you balance all of that when you were getting started? I mean, I can't imagine myself. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many sleepless nights you had and you know, just the energy. I know Nancy was talking health being a really important thing. But, you know, I'm curious for you, um, how was not only that experience, but like what, you know, what's your kind of secret sauce to have been able to balance um, not only trying to climb and and do things on on the in the corporate side, but also kind of, you know, starting your own projects and you know, um, kind of doing your thing. But like, yeah, you know, in, like, you know, just with your ideas on balance and and you know, as you were kind of starting your career. Um, yeah. So, I think um, I'll talk about both the entrepreneurial thing and then the law firm thing. But with the law firm thing, you know, your money is your your time is your money, right? So you can't be like, oh, I was super efficient and then work less. You have to work a certain number of hours. So that was like really tough, especially having kids. So it's exactly what you said. It's like sleepless nights. You're like breastfeeding while on a conference call while cooking. Like you're just doing 10 things at once. 
And I talked a little about like how it's really great to kind of think like a guy, get into their heads and like be part of the boys club. But there's also like tremendous advantages uh, for being a woman. And also, I think especially when you're a mom, you do things that are so insanely it doesn't seem possible and so after you get through sort of the roughest periods when they're really young I'm just like oh my god I could pretty much do anything and when you have that kind of attitude it's been really great and I really um like I think for me I was very fortunate because I had a mom who like worked the night shift she worked like 18 hours uh every night like as a uh, emergency room nurse and then she came back home and then she like could take me to school and help out with everything and obviously she clearly wasn't sleeping but I felt like the most loved child in the world and I also saw that on top of being a nurse she started this real estate you know practice and so I think just seeing her example of being an amazing mom and working like basically two jobs. I just thought that was kind of normal. And I realized like I could do that and still be a great mom. Whereas I know a lot of my friends who had stay at home moms, they feel very guilty about working because they had a different experience. So there was, you know, that element in terms of the entrepreneurial side, because essentially I'm working at least 40 hours on both, you know, uh, jobs each week. I was fortunate because it's a COVID related business. And so, and at our law firm, we are still not, we're working from home. So it's been great because I've been able to, you know, work, uh, do my firm job, like as it, you know, as time permits. And so that also means weekends or nights, it doesn't have to be set times during the day. And um, with Quell Labs, it's just whenever I have to do the meeting or can I'm able able to fit it in. So it's been a great opportunity um, to kind of juggle both. So once we go back into the office, it'll probably be a little tougher. But at the end of the day, I've created a role at the firm where I I have a lot of autonomy. So um, so far, so good. And at at some point, obviously, you know, right now we're bootstrapped with the startup and I'm like, we're all self-funded and it's pretty hardcore. But, you know, in a few months, there'll probably be a time where I have to make a decision on that. So, man, all respect to you. As as hard it is to be a parent, like none of the men here had to breastfeed while on a conference call. Like <laughs> That is on some next level, you know, partner. And I know one of, one of my uh, friends, Andy's here. He's had a baby girl and just, uh, you know, he works hard. But, hey, bro, we don't have to breastfeed while on a baby. Man, on I was a conference call, man. As Gloria was talking, I was getting anxiety. I was just picturing, I was like, oh, <laughs> but mad respect, Gloria. I think that's, you know, that's not only inspiring, but, you know, hopefully, um, you know, the people in this room, um, you know, hearing your story, it's, you know, I, I think hearing stories and kind of being able to visualize like, like what other people have done, I think is really powerful when people are trying to pursue their own passions and their own projects. So uh, the fact that you did that and kind of were able to get success, um, and I'm sure it was hard along the way. You know, I'm I'm sure all of you guys. I mean, especially for me, there's many points where you want to give up. But I mean, just kind of hearing kind of how you guys, uh, you know, got to where you're at, and you know, one congratulations to everyone. And just real quick, if you're joining the room right now, uh, this is uh, PK and I are, are you know are hosting uh, this panel with three very uh, successful and powerful women that have great insight into business and life. And that's what we're talking about, life and business. So if you get a chance, uh, I would definitely give Sylvia, Gloria, and Nancy a follow 
and I think they have a, a lot of uh, great ideas and thoughts to contribute. Um, you know, and yeah, so just you know, I would definitely give them a follow. So um, I kind of want to just keep going on this. So look, um, I think that trials, tribulations, hardships are just part of of six, anything worthwhile to to pursue and and part of success. Um, you know, I've I've been able to experience some myself. Um, you know, and it's it's not easy. It's 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 the road less traveled. It's it's a lot easier to just do the easy things. Um, all three of you guys are are proven and showcased how you guys are resilient and push forward. Um, but also, you know, we learn from our mistakes. And I'm just kind of curious. Like, I know you guys give tips and some, you know, for life and business. I'm just curious if you guys were to go back in time. And obviously, you know maybe there's some young female entrepreneurs in the audience who are going to listen to the podcast later. Um, but, you know, if you were to inspire them or encourage them and maybe, you know, give some insight on like your younger self, like if you could have done it over, what things would you have done different? What mistakes maybe did you make that you wouldn't do again? And, you know, um, like if you were to talk to your younger self, if you're like, Hey, this is something that you would do differently. Um, to all three, all three of you, it'd be great to kind of hear hear that. Yeah, I guess I should go for first because I was the first in line. Um, I did want to <laughs> I did want to quickly add to what Gloria is saying too. I mean, I love Gloria what you're saying. Sorry, and this kind of goes also into into me speaking to my to my younger self. Um, I just wanted to highlight that I love what she's saying about kind of getting into the men's mind, but I also wanted to make sure that we also acknowledge that the systems themselves sometimes work against women. And so I absolutely agree with Gloria that the women on this panel are absolutely incredible. But if you look at even just the statistics, like what Nancy was able to achieve, especially at her age, like the numbers and the systems were against her. What Gloria was able to achieve in the legal world as a mom, the numbers were against her. What right. I'm trying to achieve as a women fund manager, it's just statistically, the systems are against us. And so I know things are changing for the better, but, um, and that's obviously very encouraging to see, but I just wanted to at least acknowledge that, you know, in a way, sometimes um, women have to work that much harder and be that much of a rock star like Nancy. You know, she's also like a classical pianist, like an athlete, like you have to, like almost jump through like 10 more hoops than than I think male founders and others have to do. But um, Wait, going back to, oh, sorry. Sylvia, ahead, so, sorry. No, I was going to say, and you were saying she's a classical pianist, but she's also an Emmy award-winning producer of the Bay. So she has an Emmy award. Jeez. So yeah. And she also plays flute and cello. You guys are and making me and blush. And ballet. I, I can do insanity for like 20 minutes straight, but I take breaks. <laughs> Dang, I, man i can't compete with that i don't know how to play any other instruments other than that but yeah um but yeah i mean sylvia no i'm you know you know these are great things too i mean it's inc incredible but um yeah just kind of curious also just on, on your younger selves like yeah if you guys were to give some tips to yourselves or reflect on that what would you guys have have told your younger selves yeah for, so for me i feel like i'm having like a late late awakening, I guess, because I think I was, for those of you who know me, I was so um, embedded, I think, in my nonprofit world and advocacy that, you know, it really took me so long, I think, for me to take a step back and kind of understand 
um, like I like to say, I evolve my why. So I know I talked earlier about knowing your why, um, but you know, it's okay if your why changes. And, you know, I can share an example that really impacted and changed my life. I mean, for those of you who know me, I really thought I would see the freedom of North Korean people um, during my lifetime. And maybe that will still happen. Um, but, you know, I have a master's in law, which is useless degree um, and just spent so many years, I think, doing a lot of frontline advocacy. Um, and there was this moment where, just like Gloria mentioned, um, I actually moved countries when my second daughter um, was three months old. So I was like juggling. Eugene and I were not really established in SoCal, um, flying to DC for all these random conferences. And my son turned to me and was basically like, mommy, do you love your work more than you love me? And I remember just like the the pain I felt in like oh, the hypocrisy man. and just like the like that moment is like forever seared in my heart. And um, Eugene knows this about me as well. Um, but that really changed, I think, the trajectory of where I wanted to go. Um, and for those of you who know that famous book about um, I'm watching the the James Covey book. Sorry, the the habits of a successful life. Sorry, I'm like yeah, Stephen Covey. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Stephen Covey. Yeah, yes, seven sorry. habits of the high, yeah. Seven. Yes. So the whole concept of like beginning with the end in mind. Like I think for me, I'm a late bloomer in terms of kind of suddenly realizing like, oh my god, like what have I been working so hard for? Um, and you know, like at, Gloria mentioned this, of course, in her first tip, you know, like at your deathbed, it's really your family, right? And the legacy you live, um, if you choose to have children, is really through your children and the next generation. Um, and so I think for me, that really shifted so many things around. And obviously, if I could speak to my younger self, it would be to, you know, like, take it, like, chill out and, you know, just kind of reflect more on what your end goals are in life, like what you want at the end of your life and kind of think right. that through sooner than later, because I mean, I'm still thankful that I got to do it in my thirties, but you know, I know people sometimes go through these midlife crises much later in life. Um, so I think for me, that was a, that's definitely a big moment. Um, and what I would want to encourage um, a lot of the female founders um, or young female people in the audience would just be, um, you know, find, find your community. I think right now there is a big movement to embrace um, female founders, female fund managers, female everything. Um, and I think that there's just this sense that um, people really want to embrace one another and uplift one another. And that's been really inspiring for me to see. Um, but I think that when I was kind of going through a lot of my struggles, I didn't necessarily feel like there was a community for me. Um, and very quickly, the second thing that I would say that which is also a new concept for me is this concept of ridding myself of these gruels. And this is another book that Eugene and I are reading right now um, by Vishen, uh, I forget, Lakishan, I think, um, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And it's all about kind of these fake rules that you grow up believing that you have to follow. So, you know, some of the fake rules or what he calls the brules, um, because they're like BS rules basically, is like that you have to work um, 40 hours a week to be successful or more, or that you have to um, have a professional degree to be successful. Like there's all these kind of like weird rules that are imposed on us. And I think for me and you both, myself and Eugene actually, because he also recently quit his job, is just um, us trying to kind of rid ourselves of these rules, um, kind of rid ourselves right. of what we like to say, like this W2 mentality and really um, kind of create the reality that we want for ourselves. And so um, those would be kind of the, my, my two Par tips for myself. Paradigm shift, <laughs> shifting. You know, I like that word systemic just breaking those things. <laughs> Sylvia and I have talked about that in the past, but just, no, I love that, Sylvia. I mean, I definitely, 
Um, you know, one thing that I think a lot about too is just, you know, we're indoctrinated ways of thinking and what we can and can't do. And especially for you three, I mean, when you guys grew up, like you said, you guys are working against the odds. So you guys had to go a little harder in your passion and vision. And, you know, I, you know, I celebrate that and like res have a tremendous amount of respect for you guys for that. Um, but yeah, I, had, I mean, I had a moment like that too, Sylvia, just like a Korean drama moment where my kids were like, you know, do you, do you, you and mommy like, you know, love work more than us? It's just that kind of like heart gut wrenching moment where it just really like, like shakes you like, wow, like, you know, in terms of spending more time with them. So I, I totally feel you on that. And PK, you have like 10 jobs. So well, that's very understandable. 10 kids, 10 jobs. <laughs> it's hard to juggle. You know, I go, I go okay, you, you two get Monday, you two get Tuesday. <laughs> no, I'm playing. But yeah, we have to like definitely like um, make them, give them proper love and attention for sure. So, so Gloria and Nancy, uh, you know, if you had some advice for some young female entrepreneurs or if you were to talk to your old self, um, what kind of things would you change or do differently or, you know, uh, you know, advise yourself in the past? Gloria, you go first. Okay. I wish I was like Nancy and had invested in Bitcoin and Ethereum way oh. earlier. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Nancy bought Bitcoin when it was a dollar. Something like that. Is, that, yeah. is this true, Nancy? Uh, not when it was a dollar, but it was pretty early on. Two dollars. Hey, you, you, you could brag about it. Come on, let, let, let's hear. Pierce our hearts. Oh, no. I mean, uh, I had gotten it in 2013. So, I mean, it, was, oh, it wasn't gosh. like that early. Wow. Wait, did, how did you even get, I mean, just curious, back in 2013, there wasn't a Coinbase. Like, yes, how did, true. Yeah, how did you even get she that? Mind, back she then? mined it while she was at the club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously. Set up, you know my own mining machine in the office, free electricity at our office. So got to make use of that. Uh, no. So it was my co-founder who's a polymath, Navdeep. He just, he was talking about it a lot. And then I got introduced to a friend, Josh Jones, who to this day is still one of the largest um, owners of Bitcoin. And he is the largest creditor to Mt. Gox, if you remember, Mt. Gox was oh, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. So ones. he's literally the single largest creditor to Mt. Gox. Anyway, so he's been a longtime friend, and so we were hanging out one day, and he obviously had a ton of Bitcoin, and I was like, okay, how do I buy Bitcoin? Like, obviously, Mt. Gox went bust, and all these places, it's just pretty hard to just buy Bitcoin. He was like, Nancy, don't worry about it. I'm just gonna give you some. And so he just gave me some Bitcoin. Goodness gracious. What a gift. And I remember when it hit like $100, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to take Josh and his wife out to dinner. Um, so the, and then when the, it, the, and then when it question, hit $1,000, I was like, oh, I got to like buy them like a, like a vacation home now or something. So the question is, did you hodl or did you sell? That's the bigger question. Um, kind of a bit of a both. I mean, I, I have some Bitcoin, but what I actually did um, a few years ago was I did arbitrage. So a lot of exchanges had inefficiencies, uh, like price discrepancies. So I actually did a lot of arbitrage trading of her Bitcoin boat, and other boat is named Bitcoin. What, what's that? Your boat is named Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Your exactly. doggy's named Ethereum. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. That's that's pretty much right. First car is named Litecoin. Uh, second car is named Gemini or Kraken. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> 
So, so I definitely want to ask like later, like what you guys are really excited about right now, which would be kind of cool, just getting that vantage point. But you know, I want to give you guys both that chance. You know, to, I kind of segued into the Bitcoin because it's so hot right now. But yeah, if you guys were to just you know, quick advice for your older self, what would it be? So Nancy was like, Gloria, take the stage. You know, what would you advise yourself? Like, you know, when you were getting started, what would you have done differently? You know, what mistakes do you feel like you could have done, you know, avoided if you did these things? Yeah. So um, other than kind of like the family stories, like being the mom that you want to be like, there's really I don't really have regrets because I feel like it's all making me better, a better entrepreneur, better, better friend, better everything. Right. So other than like I mentioned, the Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think part of in the past, I would be like often jealous of people and I would be jealous of even like Sylvia and Nancy, right? So it'd be like, how did they get this amazing opportunity to invest in XYZ? Or, you know, why were they selected for this? And not, I mean, compared to most, I wasn't that bad because I was pretty confident in myself, but I would have those moments. But, uh, you know, more recently, I was reading, uh, rereading Purpose Driven Life. And I realized like every experience, every hurdle is really just kind of like molding me for, you know, my purpose and what God put me on earth here for. And so I see um, my friend Alice Kim, she's in the audience and like she is actually the founder of this uh, women's amazing women's apparel line for a kind of a more niche market, which is skinny girls with big boobs. And it's sort of like, I, I invested in her and I was thinking about the other companies that I've invested in and it's all been, I don't really, yes, I invest basically companies. What I realized is that companies that are like not really known as Christian brands or theories, but are run by um, Christian entrepreneurs and it just kind of happened that way and I realized like that's what something I was really drawn to so my first investment was Mama Lion as many of you guys know in the room um it's kind of like a premier K-Town lounge fellowship yeah yeah and sort of like you know it's not really that's not where you go if you're a Christian necessarily but it can be and like Robert I think does such a really good job like sharing his faith and still um you know being like a legit club owner Alice's clothing line does well there though skinny skinny girls with big boobs oh my god I want to do a clubhouse room and the title should be skinny girls with big boobs I think (laughs) there would be a good job Daniel and I I, we can't hang out in that room (laughs) you know but same thing for like Alice's brand it's um you you know like the people that we think would be a great sort of endorsement is like someone like Kate Upton like just because someone has a very sexy look that doesn't mean they're like promiscuous or this or that so I think those kind of um, ideas like really draw to me another company I recently invested in is Evite it's a party planning you know company so I just realized like that is um, something I'm drawn to. So it's just really more about not having regrets and just realizing that I have a specific purpose I need to live out based on kind of my, you know, mistakes or challenges in the past. Always putting yourself out there too, Gloria. Gloria won a stand-up comedy competition. So just letting you all know. Yeah, I watched uh, PK's videos to get tips. And yeah. so Jerry won nice. in the room when that happened. So yeah, You're I think welcome. I competed against Jerry. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Gloria. So, uh, Nancy, any thoughts on on that as well? 
Uh, Gloria, I love that you're going to do a clubhouse room called Skinny Girls with Big Boobs. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's going to be filled up. I think it's going to be more popular than Elon Musk's room. Yes. Um, please, I wish I could be purpose part of that. Please call it the purpose I'm just not, I don't, I don't fit that, uh, that description, but, uh, you know, I'm going to, I want to support, I, uh, also want to give the shout out to Alice awesome company. Uh, love what she's building. So I think the advice I'd give to my younger self, I do this like almost every day. I have an 18 year old sister. So we're 12 years apart. She's a freshman at UC Berkeley. And so I'm constantly giving her advice. And I think a lot of it is just related to things that I wish I did as a, my younger self. So for example, so she, she's actually an intern at Injuries and Horowitz right now. She's doing a business fraternity. She's studying business. Uh, one of, and she's starting a business too. She's doing this app right now. And one of the things I keep on pushing her towards is one, do start a business as soon as possible and try to monetize as quickly as possible. I think that's a piece where it's really fun to build a product, but at the end of the day, you are able to find and monetize uh, and find the way to monetize more easily by just literally doing it, trying to get somebody to pay a dollar for your product and your service so that you can understand the value. Um, and it's really hard to do that. And so I think a lot of times when I was younger, when I was a freshman building different apps and gadgets, a lot of it was, oh, this is really fun to build. I like this product. But I wasn't spending enough time finding, okay, is what is the addressable market and how much are people willing to pay for this? And so I really pushed my sister to try to just monetize as quickly as possible with the minimal viable product. And so that's one advice to give. Another, I mean, I, I throw advice at her every single day. Another one is make sure you sleep. Really do sleep. Get into good right. habits of sleeping and don't eat so much instant ramen. Yes, they are delicious, but try to just get into healthy eating habits. And when you're when you're a teenager, it really impacts your eating habits later on. Just By the way, she's a legit runway model. Oh, yes. My sister is a Wilhelmina model. Man, you nice. guys... You guys have such like, the family my mom would be like super proud of that my brother and I did not do. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I do have something a little bit more like, so thank you you guys for answering these questions and sharing your insights. Um, I kind of have maybe now like bringing it to current updated times. What are you guys currently super excited about? I mean, like I was on the phone with Sylvia. I was on the phone with your husband and we're talking NFTs right now. It's nuts. I'm like, you know, it's just there's so many crazy things happening in the digital space, especially with Bitcoin and uh, the cryptocurrencies, uh, the SPACs. Like there's just a lot of really weird movements that I've, I mean, I don't know if it's accelerating and getting stronger, but Definitely, I think there's a lot of exciting things happening right now. Um, I'm curious from you guys, three, from your vantage point, um, whether not even being female founders or female entrepreneurs, just like what are you guys excited about? Like what's on 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 the t tip of your tongue um, of things you're talking about with your colleagues and with your your groups? Like, and, and what what kind of discussions are you having? Okay, well, happy to go first again, um, but I feel like I learned so much by the time Nancy speaks, um, since we're going in that cycle. Um, obviously, in my world, 
Daniel, I can tell you that impact is hot. Like, I think that this is really the year. Um, it's, it's already been moving in that direction. If you know about ESG investments, um, social impact investments, underrepresented founders. Right. Um, I think that really the opportunity um, for sustainable impact <coughs> um, is really coming to fruition. Um, and I think that one of the things that excites me the most is when I see really like a purpose-driven company um, I can tell you that um, our my first investment ever in impact because you know I'm very new to all of this um, was you know an African-American woman who was really passionate about making sure that Flint never happens again she happens to of course be a Harvard educated data scientist um, and she created this incredible data architecture driven by AI um, where she takes all of these different data sets and um, basically can spit out a score. And you can actually go to her website even now, it's called Aquagenuity, and put in your zip code and find out the quality of your water. So I think for me, what really excites me is kind of seeing this intersection between impact, sustainability, um, you know, really empowering underserved and underrepresented founders, but at the same time, actually working with market forces and actually seeing revenue models um, and kind of B2B solutions that are really sustainable in the enterprise world. And so um, very thankful for kind of where I'm at currently with Sarah Cap because they're kind of like the kings of B2B and have this incredible nice. global ecosystem. Um, but man, like there are incredible companies, like so many to even more to count and they are solving complex global problems in ways that I can tell you that even after all my years of advocacy and policy that I could not have solved as a lawyer. Um, so very excited to be um, in that world. So impact, Im impact businesses are, are hot right now. <laughs> so uh, and Gloria and Nancy, from your vantage point, any areas that you're like, hey, this is a hot sector that people should be paying attention to and things that you are getting you guys excited? Go ahead, Nancy. No, you go. Nancy's going to be able to give you kind of a wide breadth of uh, industry knowledge just because she invests in so many different types of technologies and industry. But since I'm in the COVID space, I really think tech, tech, uh, COVID rapid testing and vaccinations are really hot. And I'm super excited because, um, you know, we have a rapid response antigen test. It's manufactured in Korea and uh, results, you get it in 10, 15 minutes. And I just feel super excited because it's going to allow people to go back to work and gather again. And people are always like, well, this test got um, FDA approval and that test got FDA approval. I'm okay with that. I love the idea of getting this to an affordable price where, you know, really it's going to be usable for um, many different situations, get schools and workplaces back uh, open. And the same with the vaccination, we do the monoclonal antibodies. And so we're just really excited about that space. And um, I'm excited for things to open up again and for us to be able to see each other. My parents just got vaccinated and just I mean, the number one thing um, I need is like help. And I'm like so used to like my amazing mom, like coming to help. And I haven't had that for a year and I would love for her to spend more time with the kids. So for me, I'm really excited about that space. And there's also some very unknown or not as popular um, uh, cryptocurrency that I'm excited about. Uh, I guess I'll share that later at a different time though, not yet. Why not? Because I got to invest, I got to invest 
in a lot first. So let me finish what that I'm doing. <laughs> I want to get the tip early. You afterwards. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, Starts Nancy. with K and ends with N. Nancy. Yeah, Ken, baby, yeah. Ken. I'm in. Ken coin? Just, just letting you know, uh, Nancy got a Bitcoin at $5 and I got it at $35,000. Just letting everybody know. <laughs> 35 is still pretty good. 35 don't, is great. Don't PK. be condescending, Nancy. Don't be condescending. <laughs> hey, I'll buy 35 all day long when it's at 50 these that's, days. That's true. So, so Nancy, uh, what are you, you know, Gloria was saying you have a, a, a wide breadth of investments. What are you most, so as founders or startup, uh, you know, people that are doing startups in here, you know, what areas are you like, yo, you guys should be focusing on this. This is going to be hot, like for the next X, Y, Z years or whatever. I mean, what, what are you looking at? What gets you excited right now? Yeah, there's a couple of different areas that I think are really interesting. So, of course, last year, e-commerce just was crushing it. Every e-commerce company, like if you were not doing well as an e-commerce company, then really something was wrong. Uh, every e-commerce yep. company was just doing super well. So because of that, I think there were a lot of things around uh, e-commerce that can be improved. And so it wasn't the e-commerce companies itself that had bottlenecks. Like everyone had fulfillment, shipping, logistics, supply chain bottlenecks. And so I think companies that can solve those problems uh, and those kind of startups that uh, hopefully will have the opportunity and have this big market to now start in um, are really going to be winners. So ones that can solve supply chain, fulfillment, shipping, um, analytics around that, I think, uh, have a big opportunity. So I like things that are the tools and services that support successful e-commerce companies. So that's one area that I think is very exciting. And then, of course, in general, e-commerce, I think the shifting of any kind of goods that you would be buying offline and moving it to online, I think uh, COVID uh, catalyzed that trend that was already happening. So that's one area. Um, you mentioned SPACs. I think SPACs are very interesting. So I'm involved in three different SPACs. Um, one SPAC I got involved with at IPO, another SPAC I'm a seed investor in, it's the TCW SPAC, it's a $500 million SPAC, um, and then another one I'm on the board of advisors for, which is a $250 million media uh, and te uh, tech SPAC. Um, so I think SPACs are very interesting. If you're able to get in at a seed stage level, and of course the way to do that is you know getting introductions and it's kind of like a small network, people just introduce people to other folks, um, you can really have a pretty significant windfall if it successfully does a transaction. Now, that is a big if, uh, but I do think that is a really new opportunity that if you do get in at a seed stage for a SPAC, they do a transaction and it is really successful. It's like an immediate, at least 4X typically for the seed investor within a 24 month period. So it is pretty attractive investment. Again, it has to be, it comes down to management. And if you find management, that's just fantastic, fantastic, can execute, and has great deal flow. And Nancy, for our listeners uh, that don't know what SPACs are, do you think you can kind of just do a quick, like, you know, entry level, uh, you know, one-on-one course, not, not to just, just the basic overview on what SPACs are, so they kind of... Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition. Um, and what what you basically are doing is you raise a bunch of money, this blank check. So you IPO a company like ours is called, our ticker is 
um actually i don't know it hasn't launched it so i'm not gonna start our ticker yet uh, but say the ticker is let me get in let me get in pk we gotta get in early yeah i'll tell you all of that so so let's call the spec is abc uh and so abc ipos for 250 million dollars and so that means there's a blank check. Investors are giving it $250 million to go out there. And you have to do it within it's like a 24-month period to find a company to buy $250 million worth of this company. And it's a private company. And uh, the investors in the IPO have to approve this company and sign off. If they sign off on this company, now that company automatically IPOs through the SPAC. And then you hope that that company just continues to appreciate in value. And if you are a seed stage investor, typically the SPACs will trade at $10 per share. Maybe if it's a great management team, maybe it'll go up after you know six months of trading, right. maybe like $11 or something. Uh, but then the idea is once the transaction happens, people really like it, and then maybe it goes to 13 14 15 Well, if you're a seed investor in the SPAC, you're buying it in at $2.50. Jeez. Per share. Uh, and then again, you just, uh, if it's a really good company, um, then you just hope to, you know, continue seeing that appreciation. Yeah, I know Shamath uh, talks a lot about SPACs and I, I just know it's, it's getting super hot. You know, I've kind of looked into it from a, just a, a normal investment standpoint with stocks, but definitely you've been seeing um, the traction there and, and, and a rise in that, that whole field with Blink Check, you know, Blink. Uh, check companies and just I don't know it's fascinating it's just a, another one of those things that's like oh this is kind of new and starting to take off um, with I that just, pe- yeah I just googled um, a company's name ABC I can't find it <laughs> I, I will share when it comes out DMing you for the company yes Tamath is the king of SPACs like he has done a fantastic job at it now of course there's a lot of SPACs that are coming out like every celebrity is like coming out with with a SPAC. So there's a lot of competition for, for these, uh, but it's definitely really, I, I think it's quite interesting. So Nancy, I, I'm going to ask for PK and I, when you guys do go pre IPO, IPO, can we get in? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the beauty of it. You, you can actually um, just buy in at IPO um, at the, you know, call it $10 or $10 and 50 cents per share. Um, IPO time is, if you believe in the management, actually a pretty decent time to, to get involved in the SPAC. Well, give us a heads up and I'll be waiting on my Robin hood to click submit, submit order. <laughs> so, Hey, at this time, PK, right, we wanted to open it up uh, for yeah. a couple questions, right? Yeah, thank you uh, to our speakers, and uh, we're going to have a Q&A session. Thank you so much to our guest speakers. 